Would you bow your heads and pray with me? Uh, Lord, we are so thankful uh, that your grace is more than abundant, and it has, Lord, all we need to transform us, to introduce us to your character, to your love, to your grace, to reestablish relationship with you. And Lord, uh, I'm just so thankful for you. And I'm thankful, Lord, for your word that, uh, Lord, if we'll let it, if we'll open up our hearts to you and our minds to you, you are so eager to speak to our hearts. You're so generous in your wisdom and your grace, and you long to just make that abundantly available to us if we'll avail ourselves of you. And so, Lord, I just ask that each person here in the quietness of their own heart in their own way would, would direct their thoughts and their prayers to you, and they would invite you, Lord, to speak to them, knowing that you come to us from a place of love, a place of grace, a place of mercy, and you are eager to give us that which our soul needs. And so we invite you to do so, Lord. Thank you for your word. Lead us and guide us and teach us from it. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. Well, this morning we get to look at one of the most often quoted statements from the Bible. Um, and what's interesting to me, it's not just quoted by Christians. In fact, this particular phrase is probably quoted many times. Uh, and maybe the, the phrase that people know amongst the top two or three phrases of anything they know about the Bible. Um, and, and what I've found interesting is that people that are not necessarily church people really like to uh, remind Christians in particular uh, of, of this verse of this statement, of this phrase. Anybody care to guess what it is? There you go. All right, I think I heard it. it is judge not. Do not judge. Do not judge. And so we, we have uh, the sense that I think people in the society at large, they tend to sense that, that uh, you know, they may be feeling judgment from from Christians in particular, and we're going to get into that a little bit. And yes, it's in the Bible, and yes, Jesus said it. So our task this morning is, what did he mean by what he said? Uh, what does it mean to do not judge, judge not? Does it simply mean that we're supposed to leave well enough alone going on, things going on in the world and in one another's lives, and just kind of, hey, stay out of my business? Um, or, or is there something else that he has in mind? Obviously, it's a big problem because Jesus addresses it, and so many people latch on to it. And so let me start this morning by giving you, perhaps, uh, as I was studying and preparing for this message, one of my uh, favorite ways of describing what it means to judge. All right? And this comes from Andy Stanley. He's a pastor up in Atlanta. And he says, when we judge, basically what we're doing is we're sizing people up, and then we're writing them off. And so to do not judge, don't size people up and then write them off. And, and I like that. I think that that's uh, a concise and accurate description of what happens when we find ourselves judging. So if there's something that I'm wearing, uh, something that I've posted on my social media, uh, if I've been hanging out with some people, uh, you know, if I'm driving in a certain way, we, we, we just don't want people to get all negative about that. And we don't want them all up in our business. So no one likes to be judged, and I'm convinced that this is why that statement from Jesus, that phrase from Jesus, is locked onto by so many people. And in particular, those who are not Christians, they want to remind the Christians that, um, hey, you know, 
I don't want you kind of commenting on all that stuff. I, I run into this from time to time. Uh, my friend, a good friend, we uh, met each other in college. We've just kept our friendship going over the, the years. And he, not too long ago, moved back to Orlando. And when he did, he's gotten me back into golf. I had uh, kind of given it up for a few years. So now I'm back into golf. And so we'll go out and play golf. We're a twosome. And they, they like to have, especially when times are busy, a foursome. So they'll pair us up with a a couple of other uh, individuals, and we'll spend the afternoon playing golf together. And, and what's interesting to me is that every time, every time I'm out uh, with people that I don't know, probably about the fifth or the sixth hole, they, they start asking the question, so what do you do for a living? And I kind of cringe when I get this question because I know what's coming next. And, and so you see by now, they've probably had a few bad shots. And they've let the universe know just how they feel about those bad shots uh, with some colorful language. And, and so when they get to me and they say, hey, what do you do for a living? And I say, well, I'm a pastor. You just see it all over their face, right? And it's just like they say, oh, I am so sorry for the language that I've been using. I don't know what's going on. Do they think I've never heard this before? <laughs> You know, do they think, you know, that somehow I might kind of stand in judgment of them? And you just kind of see that they're a little sensitive in this area. So let's start with this question, why do we judge? Why do religious people in particular tend to judge? The context of the passage of the Sermon on the Mount, the whole sermon in large part, you know what Jesus is doing? He is contradicting and teaching the people the right way because the religious leaders of his day were getting it wrong. So much of what's in the Sermon on the Mount is correcting where the religious leaders had gone wrong. You see, they had become critical. They saw themselves as holier than thou. They were putting themselves above the people, not the servants of the people. And so Jesus would be particularly harsh when these religious leaders would get condescending, critical, and judgmental of the people that they were there to love. But it's not just in them, it's, it's in us too. We can go there too. So why do we do that? Why do we judge? Besides the fact that somehow weirdly it makes us feel better about ourselves. I think that, that whenever we judge, what's at the heart of it is we fall into the trap of self-righteousness. Judgment of others comes from a place of seeing ourselves as a standard that is higher than the person we're critiquing. Does that make sense? Let's call that self-righteousness. We elevate ourselves to where we are now in the position of being the standard bearer, and we're able, therefore, to critique other people. And in doing so, we'll lose sense of our own shortcoming, our own shortcomings, and our own foibles, and our own things going on in our lives, and we lock into the shortcomings of others. Um, it can be as simple as this. Maybe we've been making some progress in an area of our life. Um, let's say dieting, for example. Uh, and maybe you've been looking into the ketogenic diet and you're thinking, hey, I'm going to go keto, but I'm not sure I want to go through the keto flu, which I'm currently going through right now. Um, and, and, but lo and behold, you get through it, you feel good, and man, the pounds start melting off. And you go, this is awesome. And you walk into the, your closet and you see the skinny jean section and you go, man, before long I'm back in those clothes. And you're feeling really good about yourself, right? And then you see your friend. And they're coming out of McDonald's with a sack full of McBurgers and Super Fox size fries and, you know, the big milkshake, and you, and you think, oh, those poor people. 
What's wrong with them? Can't they see what they're doing to their body? I can't believe people are like that. And we just forget that, you know, just a couple of weeks ago, that was us. That's where we were. We've been struggling with this for five years. And so, by the way, this analogy has nothing to do with real life or what's going on with me. Um, <laughs> so too often, you know, we can place ourselves into the role that we think we're qualified to somehow start critiquing and judging other people and how they should live. At the heart of this kind of self-righteous attitude, we think we're the standard, and that's a problem. You know what else is a problem, and I think it's a bigger problem? Is not only do we see ourselves as the standard, we inadvertently or maybe purposefully, we bring God down in the equation, all right? So we start taking the place of God in this equation, and, and God's no longer the standard, we are. And so uh, we lower God's importance in this process and maybe even just write him out of the whole thing. And this is a serious problem because we're elevating ourselves and we're bringing God down. Some people think, they don't think this, but, but what they're doing is they're kind of putting God on a leash. They're taming God. And so Jesus addresses this. And the passage we're looking at this morning is Matthew chapter 7. If you can turn in your Bibles to there, um, verse 1, um, you can look at it on your phone or we've provided it in your bulletin. I just would encourage you to keep it out because I'm not going to read the whole passage and then set it aside. We're going to work through it section by section, okay? So keep that handy as we go through. And we look at what Jesus is saying here uh, in, in this problem of being judgmental. So this is what he says, Matthew 7, verse 1. Do not judge. Let's stop there. Do not judge. He makes it clear. We're not the judge. That role is already taken, and it's taken by God, and guess what? He's really good at it. All right? That's his role. Self-righteous people want to take that from him and, and to tame him and to put him on a leash. But you know what? Uh, is also kind of going on here when we get this self-righteous, when we kind of get to this place. Self-righteous people not only see themselves as a standard, they're not self-aware. They lack self-awareness. They have this uncanny ability to spot problems in others, but they don't take the time to do the inventory of their own life and to see what's going on inside of themselves. And that's called a lack of self-awareness. And this can lead to an arrogant, condescending, critical, I'm better than you type attitude that when we speak, it can't be helpful. Now, for me, uh, I had to learn the hard way about a lack of self-awareness in my life. A number of years ago, I pursued some counseling. And much to my dismay, I, I realized there's some areas of my life and some of my relationships that I started becoming critical in. And, and I was guilty of the sin of, of being judgmental. And, uh, and so and to add insult to, into, you know, to injury, my counselor then said, hey, Jeff, spot it, you got it. I said, what? Spot it, you got it. I said, well, what do you mean? She goes, well, we have this ability within ourselves that we are willing to lock on and see something in others, and then we start getting all critical and judgmental of them when all the while you've got that same problem. But subconsciously, you're not getting in touch with what's going on inside of you, and you think it's about them. Spot it, you got it. I was like, whoa. So I have a tendency to kind of lock on and get critical of the things in others that really are going on 
inside of me. Wow. As I thought about it, she was right. I was coming at these relationships in a place where I wasn't even self-aware of my own issues that were very similar, if not exactly the same, of the very things that I was getting preoccupied with. It's amazing what can go on in the human heart. You see, judging is definitely a problem. And Jesus flat out says, don't do it. Do not judge. But that's not all he said. As we continue to read, I'll want you to make note of something. After this famous phrase, the one that everybody knows, do not judge, there's not a period, there's a comma. In other words, he's got more to say about this. And so most people stop and they think, do not judge, period. And consequently, this has led to a lot of misunderstanding and a lot of misapplication. I think of Inigo Montoya in The Princess Bride, and he's talking to Vizzini, who's kind of walking around going, inconceivable. And he goes, uh, I, you keep using that word. I do not think it means what you think it means. And so in this particular passage, I think there's a lot of misapplication. And it's not what you think it means in some and in many cases. So let's look again at Matthew 7, verse 1. Do not judge, comma, or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you'll be judged. And with the same measure you use, it will be measured to you. Whoa, this is hard hitting. It should take the air out of any self-righteous judging, judging of other people, shouldn't it? Well, why? Because Jesus makes it clear God's not on a leash. He makes it clear who's in charge here. All right? And if we dare venture out into the waters of judgmentalism of another individual or critiquing another individual, he wants to remind us up front, if you go there, just remember one thing. The same standard that you use in judging that person, God is going to use with you. The same measure you use, the same vehemence, the same intensity, the same weight, God's going to use that same vehemence, that same intensity, that same weight with you. And so that's designed to cause us to be humbled in this occasion. So how do we want to be judged? Well, I'll bet it's with compassion. I'll bet it's with kindness. I'll bet it's with mercy. We want to experience mercy when people are judging us. I want someone to take the time to understand my whole story, to understand my personality, to understand the context of what's happening in the situation that they're speaking into. All right. That's how I would want to be judged. So maybe a good summary of this section so far would be this. Judge others the way you would have them judge you. Judge others in the way that you would have them judge you. Let's continue to read, starting in verse 3. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when all the time there's a plank in your own eye? The plank is to represent a bigger problem in you than the little problem going on in them. All right, so here in this section, Jesus is clarifying the not and do not judge. Here's the point. 
Whenever we're speaking into another person's life, when we decide to size somebody up, to maybe criticize something, to judge this other person, it is one very flawed human being speaking to another flawed human being. The issue here is we all have problems. We all have stuff. We all say stuff, we all do stuff, we all think stuff that could make us candidates to be judged. You see, we're more like each other than we are like God. So if we're not careful, the self-righteous thing kicks in and we forget about that and we lock into the issues going on in the person's life around us and we think, my stuff isn't that bad, so we minimize and then we start getting critical. We get so obsessed with a speck in our brother's eye that we're oblivious to the plank in our own eye. And so when we decide to start sizing people up and get tempted to write them off, we're not in a position to be helpful, we're actually hurtful. And Jesus says, don't go there. He's got a better way. And it's at this point, as we continue to read, that we're going to see that he begins to teach us how to go about saying something to another individual. It begins with an acknowledgement of my own shortcomings. Let's start in verse 5. Here's what he says. You hypocrite, first take the plank out of your own eye, and then you'll be able to see uh, clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Wow. Jesus is not mincing words. He's really strong here. And he calls out this, this ugly, uh, self-righteous judging. And he tells it like it is. And he says, if you do this, you're a hypocrite. Now, at this point in time, I've got a Jeff Foxworthy thing going on in the back of my head. If you are critical of another person's driving on the 408 as you drive by them at 85 miles an hour, you might be a hypocrite. All right? That's what it means to be a hypocrite. A hypocrite is more interested in fixing others than they are in fixing themselves. The opposite of a, of a hypocrite, then, is when they're tempted to pass judgment on someone else, they take their eyes off of what they're seeing in them, and they look inward. They first do some introspection. They first go after the plank in their own eye. They first go after what's going on in their life. When I see something in you, instead of rushing to judgment, my first instinct should not be to size you up and write you off, but to first go inward to see if there's anything inside of me that's displeasing to God, anything inside of me that needs changing, anything inside of me that I need God's help with, and to look deeply into my own heart. And if we'll do this in a weird sort of way, your problems, your shortcomings, your areas of weakness actually become something that's helpful to me. Isn't that weird? If I'll do what Jesus says. Because when I see it in you, I've got to first look inside of me and then take the plank out of my own eye as I humbly bring that before God. And of course, I want him to deal with me mercifully when I'm doing this. So I can get better by seeing problems in others if I'll look inward first. Now, I have yet to meet somebody that this comes automatically to them in their character. This is not an innate natural behavior. 
Right? This is something that is a learned behavior. This is a spiritual discipline. This is something you train yourself to do. Because what's innate in us is to get critical and get judgmental and start picking on what we see in the lives of other people. That's what comes natural. The stopping and looking inward is something we've trained ourselves to do. But my goodness, if you do, you're on your way to experiencing a depth of relationship as we will see that God has in mind for each one of us. And so let's again uh, look at, at verse five. Um, first, take the plank out of your own eyes. So there's a sequence here. So now comes the next step. Then you're gonna be able to see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. So the next step after doing self-examination and, and, and work with God is to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Now you might say, Jeff, wait a minute. He said, judge not, isn't this judging? Nope, that's not judging, it's loving. It's one of the more loving things we can do. When we humbly recognize our shortcomings and when we approach the needs in other people's lives with humility, with tentativeness, with a sense that I care about you, that we, you know you're here for the sake of others, that's not judging, that's loving. Jesus is teaching us how to get past our self-righteousness and our condescending, critical, judgmental spirit that can sometimes pervade our hearts and to get ourselves in a place where we can actually be helpful to others. This is the way of love. This will lead to intimacy in our relationships. I had a good friend um, who was particularly good at speaking the truth. And early on in my uh, development um, and training as a pastor, I invited this guy to speak into my life. Um, and so uh, some later on, I kind of wondered, did I know what I was bargaining for? Because he took me up on it. And there were times, I'll, I'll just be honest, I got defensive. It, it, it hurt sometimes, it stung a little bit, but he never came to me for his benefit. He never came out of the sense of self-righteousness. He came because I invited him to do so and he really loved me and wanted me to do well. And I learned the truth of Proverbs that says, deceitful are the kisses of an enemy, but faithful are the wounds of a friend. And I learned to value his input, even though sometimes it hurt, because I was being loved well by this guy and I was getting better because he took the risk to speak into me. And that took a lot of courage so we've learned that love doesn't allow me to size you up and write you off, but guess what else? Love doesn't allow me to size you up and to walk away. That's not loving either. We can't just size up and walk away. And so we've got to learn how to find this balance when for the sake of others, we're willing to take the risk and speak into another person's life. I remember a conversation I had a few years ago with a coworker where I happened to get this right. Um, I happened to be quick to look for the plank in my own eye right in the middle of the conversation uh, and ended up in a position to be able to help this individual. And so we were getting together and part of the role that I was taking on was to help this individual who, to be honest, wasn't performing great in, in, their, in, in their position. And so that's always a tough conversation to have, right? And so it didn't take long, man, where this person, I don't know exactly what I said or how I said it, 
but he bowed up in the conversation. You could just tell he was angry and it was all over his face and there was just immediate tension and the feeling was palpable. And I'm kind of wired up that I don't like conflict, so I wanted to ex exit stage right, you know? It's like, size you up and yo, get out of here. All right, but I hung in the conversation and I instinctively in this situation did what Jesus is talking about here. I went for the plank in my own eye and I just said, hey, I don't know what just happened. I, I really don't. But obviously something I said or maybe something that I've done uh, has hurt you uh, and possibly offended you. And so, but I'm just clueless as to what that could be. So, so could we take a couple of steps back and I want to invite you to help me to understand what did I say or is there something that I've done um, that hurt you? Because I, I, that's not my intent here at all. And in that instant, to his credit, he just kind of hung his head and the tension just left the conversation. And he opened up and he just said, I'm so sorry. He goes, I've just been feeling shame because I know I'm not doing a good job and I just thought you're gonna crack down on me and, and, and I can tell that's not where you're coming from. So thank you and forgive me for for how, how weird it got in our conversation. And it was a real win. He, we, he and I both looked back at that conversation and, and in that moment, we went to a depth of relationship and intimacy and trust that we could have never gotten to had we not been willing to go there. And you know what's even cooler is, is this guy, yeah, he wasn't doing well in his job because he was kind of a square peg in a round hole. So we discovered what it is that he really is interested in and passionate about. And he started a whole new ministry, created it from nothing that has touched hundreds of people's lives. And he really blossomed into the potential God has for him. And I'm just so thankful for that conversation. To love well, we have to first take the plank out of our own eye and then we'll be able to be seen clearly to help our brother or sister with a speck that's in their eye. That's not judging, that's loving. That's what Jesus is telling us. So to bring this to a close, there's three categories of people I've been talking about this morning. I, I didn't lay it out that way, but, but I'd like you to do a little self-assessment right now. I'd like you to do a little introspection work. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand. This is just something between you and the Lord. Okay, and so the first set of people, you're in the group where you tend to size people up and then to write them off, all right? This is that self-righteous thing going on, and I hope by now you can see this is not a good thing. It's not a good place to be. You're not going to be able to be helpful to others, and certainly it's not going to be helpful to you when you stand before God, and he uses that same standard of judgment and vehemence with you, all right? That's not where you want to be. So your next step is simply stop judging, catch yourself when you find yourself going there, and then look inward. First, remove the plank from your own eye. Don't size people up and write them off. For others, uh, the group you're in, you can relate to that part of my story where you're tempted to size people up and then walk away. All right, and, and so you like judge not, period. You'd rather it read that way because I'm not gonna judge, although chances are you do and you just kind of keep it internally, all right? And so your next step is to have the courage to give feedback to someone after you've done your inventory, after you've looked in your own heart and you've got yourself in a place of humility, you're in perhaps one of the best places to help that other person. So I wanna encourage you, take the risk. 
and humility speak into that relationship. God will use it. It's a way for you to love well. And then finally, you might find yourself on the receiving end of someone's critique, someone's uh, speaking into your life. And is your default position is, hey, man, don't judge me, bro. Get out of my, get out of my space. I, I, I didn't ask for your input. Who are you to criticize me? All right. Do you find yourself being defensive? Just a reminder to you, if you're defensive, you're guaranteeing that your past is going to show up in your future. And defensive people have just this uncanny ability to turn the relationship on the other individual. Maybe you didn't approach it right. Maybe you didn't say it right. Maybe you did something wrong procedurally. And, and, and so they're keeping you from having that input. Don't try to force the door down um, if you're given the feedback. Just let it be. But if you're that person who's making it hard to give input, R-E-L-A-X, relax. All right, what they're saying doesn't define you. It may be right, it may not be right. Just receive it as input, that's all it is, all right? You don't have to get all worked up about someone else's opinion about you. Don't give that kind of power to another individual, but humbly receive what they're saying. Pray about it, take it to the Lord. Maybe there's something in there. And if there's not, just thank them. Either way, thank them for taking the risk to be able to speak into your life. All right, and so let's tone down the defensiveness and let's increase the receptivity to receive from other people when they dare take the risk to love us in this way. I love this part of the Sermon on the Mount. And if you want to carry away this message in a real simple format that you can apply a couple of weeks from now, months from now, years from now, here it is. Judge not, but love well. Let's pray. Father, I just want to say thank you for uh, this hard-hitting portion of Scripture uh, in an area that I'm sure all of us can relate to in one fashion or another. And Lord, we want to be better. We want to be better at not having a heart that gets critical and judgmental of others. We want to be better, Lord, at loving people the way you would have us love them. And so, God, we're going to need your help with these things. And so I pray for each person here that as they go forward from uh, this message, that they would seek to apply this to their relationships and that they would benefit, Lord, from following your wisdom. Give us your help by your spirit, we pray in Christ's name. Amen.